So maybe we can just, yeah, start off just uh, like how, how you joined the movement and your, just your, your testimony, wherever you'd like to begin. Okay. <laughs> so I think I was about eight years old or nine years old. Yeah, it was, about, it was nine. Because at eight years old, we were in the Baptist church. And um, at nine, we were still in the Baptist church, but we had just met <clears throat> the Unification Church. Mm, but that was my mother. My mother, she came with her two, her three children. Mm. And uh, when we were in the Baptist church, the Baptist church was so wonderful. You know, they had all these programs for children. On, on holidays and so on, school after school and so on. But when we came, when we were in the Baptist church, my mother's spiritual mother, who was one of her best friends, um, was already going to the unification, unified family. That's what it was called back then. Mm. And we, you know, she invited her to come and she, we started going and listening to the lectures and so on. I was, I was nine, my sister was 10, and my youngest sister was eight years old. So it's eight, nine, and 10. Then we in, within the Baptist church, we also met another sister who also was introduced to the unified family. So mm -hmm. her name was Marcel, Marcel Stevens, Marcel Romans. I don't know if you know her because but she used to work at Belvedere uh, East Garden. Oh, really? Mm. But she passed away recently, a couple of years ago. Mm. So we both, we all of us migrated from the Baptist Church to Unification Church. Mm. So at the age of, I think I was 10 years old, 1974, yeah, when we signed membership. We were already visiting and going there, but we signed membership when I was 10. Mm. And um, that's how we actually came. My mother decided to just give up her home and move in with her children. We had actually come from a really rough situation because my parents had recently, two years, like a, a couple of years before that, divorced mm. after tumultuous marriage. And um, my mom left with her children in the middle of the night, and never wow. went back. And then after that, we ended up with my uncle, my mom's eldest brother. And mm. that was just as hell, hellish as ever. Mm. So we, we wanted to get out of there. So we moved out. We moved into our own home. And then after that, we moved into Unification Church. Mm. That was the beginning of our lives mm, where was that that was in guyana in guyana oh so there's there's a unification church in guyana oh yeah there is a big church in guyana the person who started the church in guyana was barbara van prague she was barbara burroughs she was the one who actually started the church in italy Mm. Uh, she was we recently had a, a, a celebration for her with all the Italian members and leaders and people from around the world who knew her back then she mm. she was an opera singer and she started <clears throat> she was doing her career in in Italy and she met Doris Orm you may not know Doris Orm but Doris Orm was one of the women who started the church in Italy as well uh who did a lot of witnessing in Italy and who did a lot of um, uh, witnessing in England. She was mm -hmm. part of the British family who really made the church successful in Great Britain. Mm -hmm. And she met Doris Orm in Italy and uh, she decided to come, she, she decided to join the church and she created, she, start, she actually started the Unification Unified Family Church in Italy in... Um, uh, in the 60s way in the 60s mm. and then true father came to america and she came over to america when uh, true father came here and true father at that time he was sending out missionaries to different places and 
she decided to go to come home to Guyana to start a church in Guyana. And she started the church with a few members that she knew and it grew and grew and grew. There are so many Guyanese members around this uh, nation of America right now that you may not know some of them. You may know yeah. Barbara Mosley. Uh, maybe. Or Robert, or Robert Hall. Oh, Robert. Yeah, yeah sure. Yeah. These are old, old members who pioneered Guyana, United States, when they were sent out as missionaries and, um, and parts of the Caribbean, Puerto Rico, Jamaica, Trinidad, Barbados. These are people who did all those missions, those things. <clears throat> so when wow. we came to the church, when I came to the church, when we, when we joined the church, um, my mom was with her, many other elder, elderly members who had joined. And they were sent out in mission, to, mission, to missionary fields around Guyana. Mm. And all the children, there were about 12 children altogether. Because their, parent, their parents also had joined. And these 12 children were sent into what's called uh, the Children's Center. It was um, an old house in the, um, in the outskirts of the, this, the city. And it was in the countryside, basically. Mm. And that was, uh, that, was <laughs> that was another interesting life for us. I mean, we came, we, Joseph, children, came through tremendous, incredible um, hardships from the time we left my parents separated to the time we left Guyana. Mm. I would say that. And mm. that was in 1983. Mm. The, the incredibly interesting stories, but I won't go into all of those stories. <laughs> but um, they, they were also, they were good and bad stories. There were so incredible, great stories, wonderful stories, and so many painful stories. Mm. But for children growing up, you know, coming into the church, and then all of a sudden being separated from their parents because mm. their parent has got a mission. We're 10, uh, 10, 11, 10, and 9. That was really rough for us. Mm. And then we were, it was like going into um, a boarding school with, mm. a, with a, a strict nun, you know? <laughs> <laughs> so yeah. we had to live like that. And for many years, you know, we didn't see our, you know, we, we saw our mother once in a while because mm -hmm. she was always after the mission. All, all the kids, basically, they rarely saw their parents. Mm -hmm. And that was actually my beginning. Interesting. Wow. <laughs> that is incredible. <laughs> so, like, I mean, did you, how much did you understand, like, what you were getting into at that time? Like... So when my, my grandmother is a Methodist, she was always Methodist and she was a devout Methodist. My mother was an Anglican and then she became a Methodist. She was a Methodist and became an Anglican. My parents, my, my grandparents and my mother, they were always in church. Mm. So we always went from different churches to from church to church mm. and um so religion was like part of who we were we always mm. knew we had you had to you had to say a prayer in the morning before you uh when you got up you had to say a prayer in the evening before you go to bed and you had to always remember gentle jesus because that's what the kids said we call him gentle jesus and um we always had to anything you do you know you you have to think what will gentle jesus say or how would he approve of it if you you're playing of course as kids we don't remember we don't we never stuck to those rules you know kids don't really uh stick to those things but as we grew up in the church it was all church life. 
you know, because mm. the, the church had a way of teaching kids um, from, you know, from as young as you were, that this is your lifestyle. I already knew that that was a lifestyle. It was not just some going to church on Sunday or anything. It was everyday lifestyle. Because mm. I, I remember um, when I was, uh, <clears throat> uh, I was about 12 or 13, we were, we had already started doing things like fundraising. Mm. Um, fundraising in Guyana was not thing like fundraising in United States. In Guyana, mm. it's mostly like begging for money on the streets. Mm. Uh, we, would, we would ask people for money to help to build uh, a children's center or repair a children's center, which eventually we had to buy. We had to buy this huge building. Uh, it's like a huge Victorian house. It's almost like a little palace. At the back, there was a carriage house where... Um, there was an old carriage that Queen Victoria used when she visited the West Indies and she visited Guyana. And uh, it was enormous. It was such a beautiful place. And mm -hmm. um, even up to recently, Prince, Will Prince William, not Prince William, his brother, he visited Guyana and he visited that same place that we grew up in. Mm -hmm. So from a young age, you know, Unification Church lifestyle was part of what we knew. Mm. We fundraised. We, we didn't start with this thing because we didn't know what to do. From around mm. the age of like 14, 14 or so, 13, 14, every Saturday we um, study divine principle and then we taught divine principle. Mm. We had to find guests and bring them and teach them, or we had to teach um, other members. Mm -hmm. It's like like um, exam, seeing how much you know how to teach or how, how much you know of divine principle. So we mm -hmm. had to study and learn how to teach mm -hmm. uh, to other people. Mm -hmm. So yeah, from a young age, I knew, I knew what we were all about. Mm -hmm. And to, to be honest, it was not... It was not um, it was not easy because mm. we were doing that plus we were going to school. We were kids mm. going to school. We walked we walked to like two miles every day to school and back. Mm. So like four miles altogether. And you 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 know, Guyana, because it's a British colony, you there are certain strict rules and and protocols and things like that we had to follow. You mm. cannot go to school late. You have to be dressed neat and tidy and all these different things. So which means as kids, 12, 13 years old kids, we had to wash our own laundry, do our own clothing, press, mm. clean our own shoes. You had to clean your shoes every day because you can't go to school with dirty shoes. Mm. And all these things, you know, it's a discipline that came through uh, you know, within our lives. And mm. um, with, with that side of discipline, along with the principal side of discipline, because mm. in the morning we had to get up, we had prayer meetings, we had breakfast, and then we had to, th those are the things we did before we go to, we went to school. Mm. So we kind of knew what we were, what I knew exactly what our lifestyle was all about. Mm. Right. Yeah. Well, I can't imagine that. <laughs> no, no. <laughs> yeah. I, like, I mean, I imagine that, like, uh, going through that with your, you know, with your siblings together must have, mm -hmm. must have been quite an experience as well, right? Like, yeah. When I, when I, um, when we came into the church, of course, it was just, I was the only boy now because my younger brother had died. And my mom had only two daughters and one son. And mm. uh, it, it was weird, you know. I, I, I mean, in another, in another program, I can go into deeper details with, about <laughs> issues and things that we've gone through. 
mm-hmm. be, you know, in our lives and so on. But it was not easy for her, my mother, to have her kids in, in the, the church, to be there with her kids. Because it was, she, was the, she was one of the most spiritually dedicated persons. Because mm-hmm. she went to the Unification Church only because Jesus told her, this is where you should be. Mm-hmm. Not anybody mm-hmm. else, not, some, not because somebody witnessed to her or anything like that. Somebody mm-hmm. witnessed to her was the, the, <clears throat> was the beginning point of her going there. But because Jesus said, this is where you need to be, she went there. Mm-hmm. So in her mind, it was all about seeking a higher uh, understanding of life and, and God and the universe and everything. Because the Baptist Church, of course, we understand, we know today how the secular Christian world is and how they, what they, how they believe. Mm. Uh, and she wanted to get away. She wanted more than that. Mm. So that's why we came to the, one of the reasons why we came. And it was, it was not easy in the beginning. It was extremely, throughout our lives there, her life, I mean, our lives were difficult in, in, in one point. But with for her life, as an elder member, it was different. It was totally. <laughs> she can tell you her interviews, and they it was very difficult. But there were very very uh, meaningful occasions and so mm-hmm. on. Mm-hmm. Was there like a moment where you kind of felt like total ownership? Like this is your this is really your faith. You really like gave yourself to the movement. So, growing up in Guyana, you are uh, um, you know we did nothing else but that. Well, we 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 were also a performing group. We did a the we had a group called Los International uh, Hallelujah Group, and we did lots of singing and so on. Mm-hmm. I love singing, as you know. Yeah. So sure. you, you know, in in life, in your life, you have to find something that attracts you and that can keep you in place. It's like an anchor. For mm-hmm. me, it was a singing. It was music. Mm-hmm. It, it was classical music. It was pop, but mostly classical. And then it became opera. Anything to do with that beautiful because it reminds me it it reminds me it took me to a place of beauty it's like almost like being in heaven i, I if 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 um you can uh, liken it to something for me it was being in heaven it was just beautiful so i listened to a lot of classical music opera i love i loved playing the piano i loved doing a whole lot of things anything to do with music and I also liked teaching. <clears throat> I liked mm. teaching divine principle. I liked teaching chapter one, two, chapter on Jesus was my favorite. The chapter mm. on the spirit world was my favorite. I love teaching those two chapters because, you know, I like delving into the mysteries of those things. Mm. Um, mm. So for me, it was gradually becoming... I was gradually becoming aware that this was actually something meaningful. Of mm. course, there were still the struggles. The, the struggles personally, when I was when we were when I was about, I think between the ages of like 12 and 18, I was going to school and also after school witnessing and fundraising. And I fundraised every Saturday on the weekends. I was the only, uh, most of the time, I was the only boy fundraising on mm. the street. All those women. Mm. Uh, it, was, it was, sometimes it was really mostly embarrassing. But I had this way of just shutting out. I had this way of just shutting out all those different pains because when I was young, the the issues that went through my parents went through before their divorce, I had to kind of shut 
down a lot of emotion. Like when my brother, when my brother passed away, I realized that my father was not that he didn't like me. It was just like he was became distant because I guess my younger brother was his favorite. Uh, so I had to kind of shut down a lot of emotions that will cause pain, so to speak, or cause discomfort. And throughout my life, that's what I did. I've done. <clears throat> uh, until I came to America, mm. and that was, that's interesting. Um, mm. So when I was um, be- between the ages of, I think, yeah, up, up until the age of eighteen, while I was in Guyana, all that was the the experience. I I never really. Um, cared about much of anything but the things that made me comfortable music and teaching divine principle and so on but a lot of things i had to do because it was you know you follow the direction of the leader you have to do this do this do that do this you don't have you don't question mm-hmm. and um and so only when i came to america Actually, when when we when I was in England, then I started to um, understand who I am and the kind of freedoms and things that I you know need and I need to develop within me that I have at my disposal that I really didn't know that I had, mm. and. Um, it developed here in America. It's only when I came to America that I really, I can say, I really became ownership of my faith mm. instead of somebody telling me, this is what you have to do, this is what you have to do. Mm. You know, when I was 18 years old, seven, no, 17 years old, I was just to the point of graduating from high school and we had this radio program on, in Guyana the church had a radio program we used to do this every every day every week i think it was the wednesdays and my uh, the day the final day of almost the day before exam the national leader came to my school and she said oh you we need you to play uh music for this for the program uh and i said well she sent a car and she she came over and i said you know i I have, I, we, we, we're just getting out of school, you know. She said, well, you, you know, this is what the situation, to make a long story short, she, said, telling, she told me and my sister, you guys have to sacrifice school and give up your schooling. And then after that, within a couple of years, uh, True Father is going to, you know, start universities and so on. And you guys are going to be, those who give up their schooling, all the young people who give up their schooling, those are the ones who will be the first ones to go to college. <laughs> so needless to say, that never, ever happened. Oh my gosh, yeah. So, you know, all these, these are the things that kind of, you know, be, be between the, the, the demands and the the restrict the things we had to follow and the sacrifices and all those things for young people for at least for me back then it was not an easy thing but i as i said i kind of found a a way to shut out all those negatives Mm. so from that point and the time from from that point to the time when we left guyana which was about a year i went through hell because the next year, all my friends, all my school friends, I saw them on the streets. I was fundraising on the streets, selling stuff, and, and they were laughing at me. Look at you. You could have graduated. You could have got a degree and whatever. Da, da, da. And here you are. And I, 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 there's nothing I can say. Mm. There were times when I went home and I was so dejected. I just didn't even want to talk to anybody. You know, so... Um, that was that was only when I came to America I can say is when I really kind of 
understood freedom, mm -hmm. responsibility, your own will, you know, mm -hmm. you giving and not somebody taking from your demanding that you give and pressuring you into giving, you mm -hmm. have to feel it within you and give it. Mm -hmm. right. And so I, that's when I started to become a, unif a real unificationist. Mm. Yeah. <laughs> How did you end up going to America? So we were performing. I'm going to walk to the bedroom so I can get my charger. Oh yeah, sure. So we're going. We were performing in. In. Okay. Let me let me just get the charger. Okay. Sure. <laughs> And plug. And here we are. So the national leader at at that time, the national leader was the I think her the prime minister at that time was her cousin. And he hated her. He didn't like her. He didn't like Unification Church at all, but um, <clears throat> he tolerated us. Because, you know, back in that time, Guyana was a socialist country and all, these, all the young people had to go to mandatory socialist um, things. You had to go to the army or you had to go to um, the national service or things like that. But here she has 40, 50 young people eligible for those um, services and not one of them are serving because we were religious people. We were under this religious banner. He hated mm. her for that. Mm. And so it came to a point when Guyana became very socialist and um, she, he, he created this kind of situation where it was becoming very unbearable for the church to actually survive there. And so mm. we had to leave. So because we were this cultural group, we created the, um, this tour of Europe and we left Europe. We left Guyana on September 18th and, um, and moved to Europe. We did a series of performances there in, in England, not in England, in Holland, in the, Italy, where we spent most of the time. And then the group was invited by Reverend Kwok. Uh, back then was uh, the uh, World Mission Department. And we, all the churches were, all the churches around the world were on the World Mission Department. And so we were invited to come to America to perform for True Parents. And I went to England, I spent some time in England and then later on I came to America. And that's how we actually got here. We, it was basically escaping from Guyana, escaping mm -hmm. the wrath of this horrible man who's mm -hmm. no longer alive. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Wow, that's crazy. How old were you at the time? Well, I left Guyana. We left Guyana. I was 18. I uh, became 19 in England, in, 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 in Holland. Uh, 20 in England. And 21 in the United States. Mm, interesting. <laughs> wow. <laughs> That's amazing. So. These are just summaries I'm giving you, Justin, because <laughs> the, 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 the depth is just, the depth is crazy. <laughs> sure. Yeah. Wow, that's amazing, though. Like, uh, so you, you got to America, you're 21. And uh, mm -hmm. at this time, like all of the Guyanese members are all together in America. So when we got here, of course, all the members were um, together for a little while. Um, then, you know, we were living in the New Yorker at that time. Mm -hmm. The New Yorker at that time was another, another hell. <laughs> 
<laughs> but everyone had their own rooms and a whole lot of crazy, crazy things went on. Even before we came here, we were instructed that these are, you're not coming into a beautiful, perfect place. You know, you did these, there's going to be a lot of spiritual issues and things going on. Mm. And it was true. The groups survived, I would say, like a year or two there and then be disbanded, mm. you know, because people, uh, uh, we came, like, I think it was like 40 some people who came to America, 40 some people, the group. And out of those people who, out of those uh, who are still in the church, it's about 10%. Mm, wow. yeah. Everyone else left the church. Some mm. found husbands in the church and just boyfriends and so on. <laughs> and some are, some are, one or two of them came back after that. Mm. But most of them left the church. Mm. But it wasn't it wasn't it wasn't a pretty thing. It was it just drifted away. People just drifted away after a while, you know. Mm. Uh, my my because of the foundation, we I I I feel because of the foundation and the reason for us coming to the Unification Church, that's why we survived the Josephs. Mm. Um, yeah. I can't say about other people, but I I know. We believed in, we already, I mean, I personally believed in Reverend Moon uh, since in my, Guyan, in my days in Guyana, mm. not really understanding really much of who he is and things like that. But I, mm. I believe that he was a great man and a prophet. And the message of Divine Principle was much super higher than what Christianity taught. Mm. So there was no question there. So I think because of that kind of foundation, because of where we came from as children, where my parents came from, is why we are the ones who one of the, the whole families that survived in America to this day. Mm -hmm. Right. Interesting. So, like, did you, I mean, after you came to America, were you still kind of full-time church or... Or was it more like you had to just make your way in America at that time? Well, that's the thing. When we came to America, we understood a whole lot of other things. And one of the things we understood is that we really were not invited to come to America. Mm. You know, I, I don't know where that came from, but we were told we were invited to come to America. But the reality was was somewhat different. It was a, a, a bit ambiguous. But um, so we really had no department, even though our as Guyanese members we were still under the World Mission Department. We were not really invited to be there. So we were in the New Yorker, we were living in the New Yorker illegally, so to speak. We had to, we should not be there. And um, so, and I think that was one of the reasons why many people just disappeared. All these truths started to come to, to light and people started understanding a whole lot of things. Mm -hmm. uh, so, we had to find a life now in America. Right. So I started to work with the World Mission Center, which is in the kitchen. I started out in the kitchen. Then I started. Um, then I went to the mail room and then the security, then the front desk. And then I became the front office manager when when they started you know sell, uh, selling rooms mm. uh, from the time we arrived in america to within the next four four years or so i would say we had to commit ourselves to something 
you know, so once you were a member of the World Mission Department, World Mission Center, not World Mission Department, World Mission Center, you're, uh, that's a mission. Mm. That becomes a mission. So, you know, there, the, I, had to, I had to do witnessing. I had, you know, I had to do witnessing. Not, uh, I did fundraising once. The first day I came here, I did fundraising. Well, actually the day after. And I went to 42nd Street and it was crazy. I just got out there with my bucket of flowers. And here comes two, three of my school friends from college back home in Guyana. <laughs> they were surprised to see me there selling flowers on the streets of New York. What are you doing here? Why don't you just go to school and get your, get your life together? Yada, yada. It was most embarrassing. So anyway, I, they, 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 they went away. And I went on the 42nd Street and I was selling flowers. And these two guys came up to me with a gun in my side and told me, give me all your money. Give me all the money. I know you guys make a lot of money. I said, no, I just came out there. I have no money. Why didn't you come back later? And the silly people, they just went away say okay we'll come back later so the minute they disappeared i disappeared i just said no this is not the type of fundraising i need to do mm-hmm. um but i went back home and i just dropped the flowers there i said i'm not doing this anymore mm-hmm. but you know we had to fundraise we, we we had to fundraise in other ways in other in other um uh, we had to find other ways to make money mm-hmm. And we also had to witness. We we did. We were in groups. World Mission Center members were placed in groups, and we did witnessing around Brooklyn, Manhattan, Queens. I think my my area was Brooklyn mostly. Mm. Um, I remember going up with Lydia. She was a pianist, and she was also secretary at the World Mission Center. She worked there, and we used to do a lot of witnessing. We of course we. We we had to we had to take care of all the, the, the holiday events that came up at the New Yorker because True Father was coming. Uh, so, and of course, you, I had I was I had my own room because I couldn't stay in in a room with my sister my mother, so I had my own room, and uh, of course I had to you, when you were in a New Yorker you you're in once you close those doors, your bedroom door, you're in your own world. So you have to, there's nobody can tell you or see you, or this is what you're thinking in your head. You have mm-hmm. to create, you can create anything, any world you want in there. Mm-hmm. And I mean, being a member of the staff, oh, there were there were things there were things that I I mean there are stories I can it's crazy but people created their own crazy worlds <laughs> you know my room was probably the most cleanest room and it, it always had music classical music playing and or or um, I always had like prayer meetings and things going on in my room you know people always used to like to come and, and stay in my room because it was so nice and airy you know spiritually mm. clean so to speak mm. but I had my struggles it was very difficult you know you know being in in a place in a New Yorker it was hell of hells you know mm. it's it was very it was very spiritually abusive I feel because you know you can't you know, you, you, you have to, as a, uh, I'm 20, at that time I'm 21 now. I want to do so many things, but here is the spiritual aspect that's saying, no, you can't do those things. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I want to, America's out there. I want to mm-hmm. just be great. I want to mm-hmm. go and sing. I want to, I, I had, I had to, I had many um, agents who wanted to um, sign me up to, for, for to become a model fashion model mm. and um my mom said no you're just gonna go 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 and become a one of those crazy people 
get into drugs and become gay and become all these different things. So all I had, I had, I had people coming to me to, to, they wanted me to sing on their albums, to do stuff, to, to sign up for, uh, for, for record companies. But all those things I had to give up because they were not really in line with what the church wanted, mm. you know? Right. So, mm. so, uh, so eventually I, I had to like find the, okay, Raul, what are you going to do? Because coming up soon, I, it would be the blessing, you know? Mm. So I had to say, okay, you got to either go out and live your life or stay in and just follow the spiritual direction. And of course, I chose to stay in because mm. that was, that was to me, as I said before, that was another way of shutting out the negatives or the, the, anything that would cause pain. You know, mm. if I had gone out, my mom would be in tizzy. Mm. And there were a lot of people be in a tizzy. You know, it's not like today, it's not like the blessed children today. You know, the blessed children today, they 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 go through their own, they have their own identity. They find their way back mm. to the church. You know, I was really impressed with your your um your testimony the other day because I was while you were giving your testimony, I was saying to myself, gee, if members in the, the church in Guyana had that kind of kind of support or whatever you, we would still have a lot more of those members who came over to America we would still have them here mm. but there was no there you didn't have that type of support you mm. were on your own you had mm. to either find your spiritual life here or go out mm. and of course a lot of people chose to do that mm. Joseph right. the Joseph chose to stay in Mm. yeah you guys are amazing <laughs> i don't know how you did that as painful as it was we chose to stay in <laughs> yeah so incredible <laughs> I'm like, i got nothing about respect for for you and your family just how you got through it <laughs> so how about the blessing like i'm curious about how that went when you when you went to the blessing and how that how that changed changed things for you or Okay, so I'm going to try to make this very simple, very simplified. So the first time I got matched, um, it was to a British sister. And I felt when I got matched, I didn't really feel that I should be there. It was because I was of age. Everyone said, you know, you have to be there. You should go. You should go. My mother said, you should go. You should go. You should go. And so I went and I, it's so interesting. Both, both, uh, both stories are interesting because I got exactly what I wanted. I got blessed to a British sister. I was, I was going to move to England, start my life in England because I love living in England. I loved living there. Everything was mm. for me was perfect. Mm. I was going to, we were going to have kids in England. I was going to start my career in England, my singing career in England, because it was so easy. Everything in England where arts are concerned, they're, they're not as critical as the Americans are. Mm. And so, but then when it, then when it came to, you know, we, she was so excited. She was so happy. She was like a, a kid in a candy store, you know, honestly speaking, but I didn't feel I didn't feel that. So mm. a couple of days after, I, I we we both went to the blessed family department, and I said, you know, I can't go through with this because I don't really feel it. I don't think it's right for me, and I don't want to waste her time. Mm. So that yeah. that ended. Um, <clears throat> then, I think a couple of years later, there was another blessing. And um, so I shut out everybody's comments and everything that everybody said. And I said, you know, I'm going to determine if I want to go or not. Mm. And I said, okay, 
it was about a year. I think I had a whole year to think about it. And then I said, you know, I think I'll go. And I went. I, 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 I sent my, fo- my picture in. And I, that time you had a choice, three choices. They gave you a choice where you, you can choose where you want, who you want. My first choice was um, Oriental. Second choice was British. And the third choice was American. Mm. And father matched me with Japanese. Mm. <laughs> and the most interesting thing about this was that this person I was matched to had absolutely 100% a carbon copy. It's like uh, the flip side of, of um, or I would say the other side of the mirror of my life. Hmm. Both our lives, our families are farmers. Both our families um, have, both, our, both of our families are big. Both our fathers are the same age. They, they're, they're both my father and his, my father-in-law are the same age. Both parents are distant cousins. It was almost like same. I didn't even real. I, I mean, I realized that from from the very beginning. But I, when I when I when I I was so happy. I was I'm not well, not elated, so extremely happy. But I was contented with the, the fact that that was my choice, and I made a choice. You know, mm. like you're satisfied that you finished this exam and you did well. Mm. <laughs> yeah. And so, so I, I, you know, after the blessing, I, we, when we were where we were in Korea before the blessing, I didn't even know what I saw. A pic, of course, I saw the picture, but I didn't. Her picture is totally different from what she looks like in person. Mm. So when I was, I was, we were in a place called Mizari. And it was like where the the Olympic um, did the what do you call them? the row the people who row did rowing, they practiced there in this lake, this whole big lake. <clears throat> and I was sitting at the edge of the lake, and people were all I heard is this voice calling, "Arai, arai, your husband is down there, the, your fiance is down there by the lake." And so she came, she she was coming out of the building, coming down to the lake, and. I couldn't see anything. It was almost like if this whole group, this whole crowd parted just like the Red Sea. And all I saw is this person, this this person like coming down. I couldn't see image or anything, just like a light. (laughs) But to be honest, Justin, what I saw in that light was my entire future. (laughs) <laughs> and I remember I, I always I always remember saying this because I remember clearly saying oh my gosh and you know like like a lament mm. because I saw exactly my entire future mm. but within that there was this thing that said <clears throat> uh, you 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 it it doesn't have to be that way. You have uh, you have the choices to either make it successful or a failure. You know mm. what I'm saying? Yeah. That happened. That happened with like in five seconds. All that happened like within five seconds, <laughs> yeah. and then all of a sudden there was no more light, and there she was. And <laughs> <laughs> uh, 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 that was amazing. Mm. That's so crazy. <laughs> <laughs> that was my second match. Uh, wow, that's incredible! <laughs> Thanks for sharing. <laughs> oh man, I feel like uh, you, you've got so many more stories to tell. <laughs> oh yeah, to, I have to do a part two. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, but um, yeah, I guess uh, 
just want to ask like uh now you know it's been i mean how many how many years has it been now that you've been in the, the movement oh 40 something 40 something years yeah wow yeah. so what what is it that keeps you keeps you going now that that or or what kind of like what what gives you hope now or you know excites you to to be involved as you are at this point mm-hmm Good question. So, you know, I'm 50, almost 57 years old now. And um, you know, I feel as though, to be honest, I feel as though I need to do something else. I need to fulfill something. Mm. And I feel it has to do with music. I feel you know I've made I've I've made a ton of um, recordings for other people. You know, for Hyojinim, for David Eaton. You know, but I I don't think there is the only the the only thing that I have really accomplished personally and this is something i really really wanted to accomplish since i think i was like four or five years old because i remember i can remember actually saying that and it was the only thing the only thing that i have accomplished that i really really wanted was a family was was these was my kids Mm. I really wanted to have children. Mm. Uh, I, I don't think there is, that, that is the, probably the only, not probably, that's the, so far the only thing that I have really accomplished that I feel good ab- about. Mm. But I think there is so much more that I wanted to do. I really want to do music. Mm. I, uh, I'm, not, I'm not really... I mean, I love the divine principle. There's no question about that. There's no question of where my spiritual life is. Mm. I don't like witnessing on the streets. I don't like I don't like these these um these these goals and these set rules and things like that. Mm. You have to do this. I, I I like it's okay to have them, but mm. I don't feel I sometimes I don't feel the passion to go and accomplish them. Mm, there's sure. passion behind not that i don't believe in them it's just mm. that there's more passion for me to go and accomplish a music or something mm. to do with music mm. you know yeah i like i mean i like to be a part of conversations and things like that but i'm not really you know i don't know if you know i, I am a very shy person very introvert person mm. I mean, when I go on, when I, before I, I go on stage, I, I, I feel this incredibly like butterflies all over, so nervous. And, <laughs> and the minute I step on stage and I see people, the crowd, they start disappearing. I just feel so comfortable on stage singing for people. I don't, mm-hmm. even if it's just two people, yeah. that's where I feel most comfortable. Mm. you know um i don't i i i um i i don't i love to do other things you know like sometimes my wife comes to me and she says oh we have to do this are you going to join this group are you going to uh don't forget this 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 uh, the link for this thing Uh, all to do with spiritual things and 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 missions and sing and these these mandates that that we have that we're, we're involved in right now and I get so stressed out because I'm saying, you know, there are other things you can be passionate about, like our lives, mm-hmm. you know, like the way we live, you know, our situation home here. The fact mm-hmm. that we, 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 we can't even afford to do the spiritual things because we don't have the finances to do the spiritual things. Mm-hmm. You know, you, to me, I feel that you, sometimes we put the cart before the horse. You have mm-hmm. to be equipped to do those things. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And, and, you know, I know she's passionate about that and I want to support that. And I try to support, sometimes I reluctantly say, okay, just sign me up. Okay. Just do it. But 
I mean, not that I don't have my heart in it. It's just that that's not where I am. And sometimes I wish that you would see that. Mm. And it's not that I'm against it, but I want to be, I, I feel this, 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 this basket getting heavier, heavier, heavier. This basket of me not being able to accomplish music mm. is getting mm. bigger and heavier. And eventually mm. it's, I'm going to disappear. I'm going to go to the spirit world and that basket will just be there. Yes. You know, Thanks. I just feel that's how I feel, honestly speaking. Yeah. Um, yeah. yeah. That's mm -hmm. how I feel. Mm -hmm. I, 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 I really love Dr. Young. I think he is, you know, the, the way Dr. Young um, gives his messages is exactly the way we were taught in Guyana back in those days, in the 70s. I swear to God, that's exactly. So sometimes I'm sitting here listening to him and I'm saying, mm-hmm, uh-huh, yes, of course. Who would not believe that? That's like um, a found fundamental divine principle. That's just so common sense, you know. But I mean, we live in a different world where people have their own ways of thinking and so on. But I really like the way he speaks because that's very, for me, that's inspirational. Mm. And um, I think, um, you know, I don't want to be involved. I don't want to be uh, involved in any direct mission. I want to, I want to do it, but I don't mm. want somebody to say you have to do it or you must do it or things mm. like that because it's not going to inspire me. Sure. I'm not going to feel anything. I'm just, I'm going to do it. I may go out and, and do those things, uh, but I'm not going to gain, feel, I'm, I don't feel as though I'm going to feel anything from it. It's not going to come from within me. Mm -hmm. It's going to come from a mission, so to speak, or a directive. Mm -hmm. Right. Yeah, I totally get it. <laughs> yeah, I, uh, <laughs> I, 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 you're not the only one <laughs> that feels that I know. way. <laughs> We're all, including myself, I'm, I'm, I'm grappling with it. <laughs> but uh, yeah, no, I like what you said. And uh, like for me, you know, this whole project is not something that anybody told me to do. Mm -hmm. It's just something that I felt inspired to do mm -hmm. and just something I wanted to do. Because mm -hmm. I guess for me, like uh, my, my superpower maybe is <laughs> just like just being with people and, and talking to people and, and listening mm. and um, just being genuinely like excited about people's stories. Mm. Um, so yeah, to me, this is just me, like me doing that. And, and, I, and I hope that everyone can find, yeah, a way that they can just do what they're really passionate about. And mm. um, yeah, and I feel like that's how we can serve God somehow. Mm. Mm -hmm. and, yeah and i think we're moving mm -hmm. towards that you know i think now yeah, can you yeah. do that too and uh yeah we'll, we'll find a way <laughs> yep. but thank you so much raul this has yep. been uh so insightful and <laughs> you're really let me say let me say i'm really happy that now kimi's the president i think it's the most incredible thing that true mother did and I'm really so very happy to see people like you, Justin, not being told to do the feeling that you want to do it. And if mm. you feel that you don't need to do it, you shouldn't do it. Mm. That doesn't make you a terrible person or a bad person or a low spiritual person. Mm. But I'm really impressed by the way our second gen are taking the helm now. It's totally a really inspirational thing for me. I feel that I can now focus on some things that I need to do, mm. you know? Mm. Yeah. But that's how I feel. Mm. I'm happy to hear that. <laughs> Thank you. <laughs> yeah. Thank you for yeah. being you. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Thank you. Thanks, Raul. I always appreciate you. And yeah, I didn't know. I didn't know you, you felt nervous before you got on stage. That was revealing to me. <laughs> <laughs> Lots of yeah. lots of things revealed in this conversation. <laughs> <laughs>
All right, Raul. So uh, I'm, I'm going to let you go, but uh, I'd love right. to you know, maybe get some, just go out some time and talk some more. Yeah, we'll talk some more sometime. Yeah. All right. Have a great day. God bless you. you. Too. you take care. Thanks. Bye-bye. Bye. -bye. Bye.